You know, folks, this is our third lesson, and what we're wanting to do with this series is really, as a church, get ready for what God wants us to do next. We, the leadership of the church, feels that God has something for us, and we've been asking him, Lord, what is the next step you want us to take? What is the next step that you want us to take? And the conclusion has come to that really the next step before we sense what God is wanting to show us is that we as a church, you as individuals who are a part of this church, need to be ready for what God wants to show us and do with us. And really what that means is, is that, to be honest with you, from the scripture, how we get ready for what God wants to show us or do with us is Really, we need to come to a place where we are filled with his spirit, or that another term would be where we come under his lordship, as Baptists would say years ago, or we would be uh, in union with Christ, is another way that it would be put, or we would experience his fullness in our lives. But as we've talked about that, and we've looked at that over the last couple of weeks, I know that for some of you here, you're like, yes, I know that's what I need. I, I want Christ, to use David's term in Psalm 51, to restore the joy of my salvation in my life. I want him to, as David would say, to create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what David says in Psalm 51. I know that I want something more, and I want something more for our church, but... As I've been praying about it, and I know some of you have been praying about it, as I have been looking for that, I'm just going to be honest with you, George. I'm frustrated. Because nothing's changing. I'm still struggling with whatever issue in my life or whatever sin. The joy isn't there. I want that joy. But no matter how much I pray for that joy or pray for the fullness of the Spirit in my life, it's not there. I'm not sensing that power of God in my life. I'm not sensing the fulfillment of what he says, where he says that you know, the Spirit will help us and even when we pray, we'll see answers to prayer. I haven't seen an answer to prayer in a long time. And I want this, George. This isn't happening. What's going on? Why? I mean, what? I mean, this this sounds like, what do I got to do? Well, that's why we're doing, entering into this third message. Because what you're experiencing, okay, and if you're experiencing it, I'm going to tell you right now, it's normal. What you're experiencing the frustration, the defeat. Some of you might even be angry, the anger, the despair, because you want something more. What can I do for it? I don't know what to do for it, so despair is real. All of that, I'm going to tell you right now, is normal. In fact, I would say to you that as we progress to the point of being prepared for what God has for us, as he begins to deal with us in our lives, you need to be where you're at right now. 
You need to be experiencing that. Because the natural question that comes out of our lives should be, well, why am I not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit in my life? Why don't I have joy? Why am I not seeing answers to my prayer? Why is it that his life isn't flowing out of me towards others? Why is it that I don't feel led by the Spirit? Do you know what I'm saying? Those, that, those should be natural questions that you should be asking. You need to recognize that what you're feeling is normal, but you also need to recognize that it should be causing you to ask a question of why. Why is it that my life, my Christian life, my walk with Jesus is like that? Why do I struggle with commitment levels? That one, you know, depending on how I feel on Sundays, whether or not I show up. Why do I not want to share my faith with people? Don't even want to admit it. Why do I not, why am I not a giving person? Not just in giving to the church, but giving in sense of being there for other people as well. See, when you ask those questions, you're getting to the heart of the matter, and the answer is, it's because of you. Why well, you knew that, George? Well, yeah, but maybe you didn't understand it. Just simply saying it's because of you doesn't really answer the question. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about our true condition because you have to come to a place of understanding because this is where we move along to that place where we experience its fullness in our life. So let's, let's talk about this issue. So first of all, I want to talk about powerlessness. So if you have your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin, you'll see a section that fell out there. There's three things I want to point out about powerlessness, okay? First of all, the issue is sin. The reason why you're not experiencing what you want to experience in your Christian life is one issue, one issue alone, sin. And it's not someone else's sin, it's not your mama's sin. It's not what your daddy did. It's not what somebody else did or your spouse did. It's not even me. It, it's you and your sin. The issue is your sin, okay? So if you want to write that down on that section, the reason why there's powerlessness in your life, the reason why you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life is because of your sin. And I'm going to point out three things about your sin here, and we're going to look at three different sections from the Scripture here just briefly to help make the point. So the first one is this. Sin affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Sin affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Ephesians, it's up on the screen, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I think this is an interesting choice of words by the, by the Apostle Paul. Why? Okay. All right, we're all relational beings. Everybody agree with that? 
very rarely will you ever meet somebody who just wants to be alone and not have anything to do with someone else. When you meet a person like that, I'm just going to explain to you, that is called abnormal. That's not normal. A normal human being has to have relationships. They have to interact with people, okay? Now, when you talk about the relationships in your life, because you're dealing with people, do things go wrong in a relationship? Do people get hurt? Do people do things that grieve you? That's a nice word, isn't it? Because you're grieved when something happens in your relationship. So this is what we're looking at here. The apostle is wanting to say to you, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve your relationship with him. Now, what grieves the Holy Spirit, folks? Sin. Who sin? Now, your sin. Because you're the one who, if you're a believer, who lives within you? Holy Spirit, right. So here's what I'm going to say to you. The first reason why there is powerlessness in your life is because your sin, my sin, affects our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Sin affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing you need to see. Now here's the second thing I want you to see. Okay, Again from the Apostle Paul. Sin suppresses the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that when the Spirit of God entered into your life, the moment, the second, the nanosecond, the instant, if we could get to the smallest measurement of time, the moment, that exact second, that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit entered into your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He sealed you for the day of redemption. He lives within you. And, listen to me, from that point on, he is working in your life to make you more like Jesus. He is working the work that God wanted him to do in your life. Now, the problem is this. You and I can suppress the work of God in our life. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Now that word quench is kind of like you could also use this word in the same meaning, snuff. You ever snuffed out something? You're like, you ever seen a candle and you wanted to snuff out a candle? And you snuffed it out and you still look at the wick there and it's still what, it's still red because it's burning and it might have a little bit of smoke there, but it's not the intensity of the fire that it should be. That's what we're talking about here. See, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. He wants to bring you to the place of where you experience his fullness in, his, in, in your life. He wants to bring you to the place where you're seeing answers to prayer. He wants to bring you to the place where you are being led by him. 
He wants to bring you to the place where you are being instructed, understanding who God is by him as you're reading the word. But the problem is, the problem is, folks, we have quenched him. We've snuffed out his work. We've suppressed him. How? One word. Sin. Sin. See, when you and I sin, we're not just grieving the relationship. We're suppressing what he can do in that relationship. Isn't that interesting? We're suppressing what the Spirit of God wants to do in our relationship. Because we're sinning. Now, there's a third point here. And, and this is not just talking about the Holy Spirit. This is talking about you. Sin stunts your spiritual growth. Sin stunts your spiritual growth. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says. We're going to look at verses 1 to 3. And I, brethren could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? What's he talking about here? Well, he's, he's addressing the Corinthians who think they're okay. See if we can relate to the Corinthians a little bit. Who think they're okay, but the problem is, is the way that they treat each other. They had divisions that were going on among the church there. They were fighting and nitpicking and they were arrogant with each other. They weren't treating each other right. They were fighting. They were envious of each other. Jealousies were taking place. And, and Paul is saying to them, you know what, I wish I could teach you something more about your relationship with Christ, but the problem is, is you are carnal. The word carnal there means fleshy. You're just plain fleshy. You just are going by your desires, by your wants, what your body wants to do. You're going by what... The world is directing you to do. You're not even thinking spiritual anymore. In fact, I can't even give you something more because you're kind of like a baby. You are a 300-pound, 40-some-year-old baby who should be eating cheeseburgers, but you're still eating, drinking milk. Now, first of all, that illustration is just plain ridiculous, isn't it? You're like, really? I mean, picture that. 300-year-old dude in a diaper, sucking on a bottle. Ridiculous, right? That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about here. When you and I allow sin to dominate us, we are carnal. And that carnality is suppressing our spiritual growth, you and I can't move beyond where we're at. And the reason that we're being held back, let's get right to the point. It's our sin. It's our sin. Now, for everyone here, that sin is different. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? The sins that I struggle with, maybe some of you are struggling with them, but not everybody is. The sins that you're struggling with, maybe others are struggling with them, but maybe there are others who aren't. But the fact of the matter, whatever it is that we're struggling with, whatever it is that we keep giving into, whatever it is that we keep engaging in, that is doing two things, folks. It is hindering the Spirit's work in our life and hindering that relationship with Him. And second of all, it's hindering our own spiritual life, our own spiritual growth. Is it any wonder that we're powerless? Do you know what I'm saying? Is it any wonder that we've got a commitment problem. Listen, let me just stop for a moment. I want you to grasp this. I have to have you grasp this point. Christianity, the Christian life, is not coming to a church service. Trust me, folks. If that's all it was, then of course if something else came up on Sunday that would be the better thing to go to. Do you know what I'm saying? The Christian life has to be so much more. And what it is, is having a personal, interactive relationship with the person that God sent, that Jesus sent in his place for us right now is who? The Spirit of God, the other comforter, to guide you, to lead you to empower you, to be his witness so that others hear about him. Do you understand? To experience the Holy Spirit now. And if that's not happening, there's an issue. And the issue isn't the band and the music. The issue isn't the pews. The issue isn't whether or not the air conditioner is going. And do they have it too warm in here, or do they have it cool enough? Which, by the way, after so many years of pastoring, one person likes it, another person doesn't. I can't please everybody. So if you're cold, bring a sweater. If you're hot, shuck it down to your t-shirt, okay? That's the issue. But the problem is, is that that's not what Christianity is, right? It's the relationship with him. So we've got to recognize that the biggest issue of why we're frustrated in our Christian lives is not God. It's who? Us. It's us. So let's talk about that then. So let's talk about the fact that we're carnal. So let's talk about the real you. Because what you have to understand, if we're going to deal with the condition, we have to understand who the real you and I are. So that's where we're at, Galatians. So let's look together. We're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 25. And what we're going to do here is we're going to see what Paul is urging about the relationship, but we're also going to see that there's something else going on there that we're having to deal with right now. So let's look at verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if I, if you were led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, 
uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So let's talk about the real you. From this passage, this is an encouraging passage, but this passage also reveals when you and I are carnal, when our growth is stunted, when we are grieving the Spirit, he's going to point out some things. So there's five things I want you to see here that are going to help us to understand as we try to seek the fullness of the Spirit in our life. Okay? So here's the first one. All right? There's a battle raging inside of you. You've got to grasp that point. There is a battle raging inside of you. Look at what it says there in verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So here's what I want you to see. Going on in every believer here, in my life and in your life, is a battle. It is a battle that is represented by what you want, your desires, your fleshy lust. Now, when I talk about lust, I'm not talking about just sexual lust. I'm just talking about what your body craves. And what it craves is the things of this world. And a lot of times, those cravings lead you to what? Sin. A lot of times, most of the time, it leads you to sin. Desire gives forth sin, and sin then ultimately results in what? Death. We see that in James. Now, that's going on, but inside of you, you have who? The Holy Spirit, who is trying to do what? A work in your life, and he's trying to guide you to do the things that God wants to do. And so you, in your new nature... In who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that you should be doing this, but you find yourself doing something else. You ever been frustrated? The good, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, that which I want to do, I don't do, but that which I don't want to do, guess what? I'm doing it. There's a battle going on. And so here you are, that's part of the frustration, is you're realizing this battle is raging in your life, and let's be honest, look, who does it sometimes look like is winning? Who's winning in your life? The Spirit? Chances are probably not. A lot of times it's your own what? Flesh. Your own flesh. See, this is the real you. Okay, so let's stop for a moment. I, I got to get everybody here to understand, okay? 
Because some of us, you and I have been in church a long time, and so some of us, we have this concept in our mind of perfect people being perfect saints of God, right? And we have in our mind, in fact, some picture just popped in your mind of some dear old gray-headed somebody or another in your head right now of that is what the epitome of a Christian is in your life, and they never seem to have struggled with anything, right? Is that what we're thinking? Okay. Baloney. Bogus. Garbage. Can I use some other words? No. But I, what, what I want you to see is that's not true. So here's what I want you to understand. This battle between the flesh and the spirit is true for everyone here, including myself. It's true for every Christian. Now, doesn't that set you free? Because the enemy will come to you and say, oh, Brad, you know that struggle you got going on? It's just you, baby. You're the only one who's going through it. Nobody else is going through it. And guess what? You get defeated. You're like, yeah, it's just me. Nobody else struggles like this. I must be less than as a Christian. No, that's a lie. You have a battle raging in you. And you know what you want. We all want it, right? We want to go to the next level with the Lord. We want to experience his fullness in his life. We want to be led by the Spirit. But guess what? That flesh is real, isn't it? That flesh is real. Here's, here's the second thing he says. We're talking about the flesh here, okay? Here's the second thing. Your flesh is empowered by fulfilling your desires. Your flesh is empowered by fulfilling your desires. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. The reason why it seems like, and this is true for me, it's true for you, the reason why it seems like that some of those desires are just out of control is because you're feeding them. You're fulfilling them. And every time you fulfill them, those desires get stronger in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? The thing that you and I need to do is starve them. Do you know what I'm saying? Starve them. Get rid of them. But the problem is, it's kind of like having a mouse in the house, right? How many of you like mice in the house? I don't like mice in the house. Do whatever I can, sticky traps, whatever I can to get rid of them. But maybe you're here and you just feel like, well, you know, we can't be cruel to them. So you lay out food for it. And when there's one mice, one mouse, there ends up being mice, right? That's why you want to get rid of them. And if you feed it, the problem gets bigger. That's what's going on here. Your flesh is empowered by fulfilling your desires. And that's really what Paul's talking about here. Paul's saying that what's going on here is that you are exhibiting and being controlled by your flesh rather than by the Spirit. And what's happening there is because you're just giving in and doing whatever your flesh wants. Whatever your flesh wants. Listen. When you talk about addiction issues, have you ever noticed that no matter what the program is, they always tell you two things. Change your friends. Choose where you go. 
Why? Because they know that at that moment, as you're trying to deal with it, you're vulnerable. (coughs) And there's a battle raging within you. And if you feed your desires, guess what? You're not going to overcome it. So you have to starve it by what? Changing your friends. Because maybe the friends you have are the reason why that your desires are being fulfilled. Because they're all doing it too. And you got to change where you're going. Like you ever heard, if you're a drunk, you don't rent an apartment over the liquor store, right? Why? Because the chances are those desires, that battle's going on within you, you want to what? Set up parameters and boundaries in your life so that that doesn't happen. It's the same thing in your life. Here, folks, you're all addicted to something. I'm not addicted to anything, George. Yes, you are. Every single one of you are addicted to something. What is it? That sin that you keep giving into. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's lying. The lists are endless in the scripture about what the sins are, aren't they? And the reason why we keep struggling with them is because we're what? Dominated by our flesh because we're what? Addicted. Because we fed our flesh. Your flesh is empowered by fulfilling your desires. Now here's the third one. The flesh will dominate you. The flesh will dominate you. You need to understand that. Your flesh... And what it wants out of life will dominate you. It will control you. Why do you think Paul says in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? He's talking about don't allow your life to be controlled by anything. In that instance, he uses the illustration of drunkenness, of drinking alcohol. Don't be drunk with wine, but rather be controlled by who? The Spirit, this is what we're talking about here. The reason why we're experiencing powerlessness in our life, the reason why we're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit in our lives is because something is dominating us, folks. We've allowed something to dominate us, and what's dominating you, and I don't know what it is, but you do, it's your sin. It's your sin. And it's dominating you. And sin always wants to destroy you. You need to understand that. Sin always wants to destroy you. Sin makes big promises, but it never fulfills any of them. Sin makes big promises, but it never fulfills any of them. And sin... The flesh will dominate you. If you allow your body to take control of you, guess what? You're going to be led by your body. Now, here's the, here's the scary thing, though. The scary thing when I look at that is this. It's not just that the flesh will dominate you. is that we have learned how to adjust our Christian life to this fact. That's what's scary. We have learned a form of spirituality where we can accommodate our flesh and whatever it wants and still think we're okay. I'm talking about myself, not just you. We all get to a place 
where if we're not willing to deal with our flesh and we allow it to dominate ourselves, we will adjust our spirituality and our Christianity to where we think we're okay, but the problem is, is we're not. And that's when we get to the passage where it says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. It's because we've given in to our sins. And we've adjusted our life to them. We've given in. Here's the fourth one. The flesh expresses itself through your sin. The flesh expresses itself through your sin. Look at what it says here. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So this is how you know if you are dominated by sin. Just look at how you carry on your life. And so here are the evidences. And he gives an ex- a pretty long list, but the list is not exhaustive. Listen to what he says here. For these are the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. That is a Bible word meaning sexual sin. All types of sexual sin. Not just adultery. So this is for all types of sexual sin, single person or not, all types of sexual sin. Fornication, uncleanness. Now that's not saying you didn't take a bath. That's talking about something more than that. That's talking about moral uncleanness in your life. Lewdness. Okay? That's pretty self-explanatory. Idolatry. That's putting something else before God in your life, folks. Sorcery, hatred, pretty self-explanatory. Contentions, what is that? Fighting with people. You ever met people, they they just want to fight with somebody. They're a contentious person. person. Contentions, here's the other one. Jealousies, we don't have any problem with that, do we? How about this one? Outbursts of wrath. Not a parent there has ever experienced that, right? Outburst of wrath, you know? Your nerves been plucked, and what? You scream. Outbursts of wrath. Here's the other one. Selfish ambitions. Oh, we're always thinking about somebody else, right? No. And dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Now here is the catchphrase, and the like. What does that mean? Paul says, I could go on forever and ever listening to this stuff, but I'm just saying to you, anything like these things I've talked about, they're the works of the flesh. And here's what I want you to see. When the flesh dominates you, it's going to express itself in what? Sin. Sin. But here's what we've done, folks. We've been very spiritual about it. We've accommodated it in our life. And how do we accommodate it? Well, I'm forgiven. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse me from my sin, forgive me and cleanse me from my sin, I'm okay. And we never deal with it. But here's what we see happening in our life. We're powerless. We don't have his fullness in his life. We don't sense his leading in our life. We don't see prayers being answered. We have no joy. Oh, you got a form of spirituality but it's nothing. It's empty. It's empty. 
So the flesh expresses itself through sin. So here's the final point that I want you to see. And we see it in verses 19 through 21 because he says this in verse 19. We, we, you know, we see the issue of sin there. But really beyond that, he's saying to us, verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. What is he saying there? You have to choose to be led by the Spirit. See, the wonderful thing is, is like, see, when you are an unbeliever, and that's true of you, that you're going to do whatever you want to do, and you're going to be led by whatever your flesh wants to do, or whatever your friends want to do, because that's the world guiding you, or whatever Satan tricks you into doing, because he's a deceiver. That's one thing. A lot of times you don't have a choice in that. But now that you are a believer... You have been freed from the power of sin in your life. Sin doesn't have to dominate you. Your flesh doesn't have to dominate you. You have the ability to say no. Right? Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared, teaching us to what? Say no to ungodliness. You have to choose to say to myself, I am no longer going to be dominated by my flesh and be carnal and stifle my relationship with him and stifle my spiritual growth. I'm going to choose to be led by his spirit. Okay, so let's wrap this up. All right, you're probably saying to yourself, wow, George, when we entered into this series, I really heard what you were saying about my spiritual bankruptcy, that I wanted something more. I wanted to sense the Spirit of God in my life, and I wanted Him to take me to the next level. But you just complicated everything today. You've helped me to understand why I'm not seeing it. (laughs) But I just feel helpless. Because I'm out of control. You ever feel that way sometimes? You're out of control? You ever get up in the morning, I'm going to be different today. By 9 o'clock, you haven't changed a bit, have you? And I'm not talking in the evening. Do you know what I mean? All you've done, George, is tell me who I really am. Where's this going? I'll tell you where it's going. To, To the place of surrender. You have to come to a place of surrender where you go to him and say to him, Lord, you're offering me this banquet, this invitation to this wonderful banquet, and I'm sucking on pea soup over here. Now, that might be delicious to you, but that's disgusting to me. I'm sucking on this pea soup. And you're offering me this banquet. I don't know how to get there. Because even though I hate the pea soup, 
It's all I know. And so you're here and you're saying, I know he's offering this fullness and this wonderful relationship and this joy. But all I know is this frustration and this powerlessness, this carnality. I don't know how to get there. The word is surrender. He brings you there. And so next week, we're going to talk about it even more. Something to think about. Okay? Let me pray for you.